Turn with me to Mark chapter 3 and verse 7. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus, after his baptism, went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I was reading the scripture in the book of Luke uh, this past week in my quiet time. And I noticed that it said he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was being led and that he left in the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was living in him and through him was helping him to wage war and battle against the enemy. As you know, uh, three times the enemy tempted him and three times Jesus responded with the word of God and the devil left him until an opportune time. Uh, I'm thankful that we can submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. And uh, that we have the power and authority in Jesus Christ to win the victory. But we need to understand how Jesus goes about winning the battle spiritually uh, so that we can learn some tools for our own lives and how to live in victory when the enemy comes to tempt us and to battle against us. Uh, This scripture, Jesus is going and he's healing people. He's casting out demons. Then he calls the 12 apostles and he he names them. But the Bible says that uh, he gives them both uh, the commission to preach his word, but also the authority to cast out evil spirits. A little bit later, the 70 are sent out. And they discover that they have the authority to cast out demons as well. Uh, And then Jesus is accused of casting out demons because he is inhabited by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. The Pharisees accuse him of this. So he says, look, if Satan is divided against Satan, his house can't stand. But first of all, you've got to bind the strong man if you want to spoil his house. So Jesus says, what's really happening here? is I'm binding the strong man and I'm spoiling his house. I am going and taking the devil's territory, and that's what's happening. Uh, they, uh, in, in the middle of all this, his family comes. They think he's lost his mind because he's ministering to all these people, and uh, he's not eating because he doesn't even have time to eat. And so they come to try to take him uh, and deliver him from the, uh, the demanding uh, ministry that he's doing. And then uh, Jesus hears about it, and he says, no, he says, my family, my mother, my sister, my brothers are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And I think uh, he's making a point about our spiritual family, because this spiritual family, just as a good human family, (coughs) excuse me, just as a good human family uh, can provide support. So too, our spiritual family can provide support in times where we are going through a battle with the evil one. And so we need to follow Jesus' example in engaging this spiritual battle through the power of the Holy Spirit. So look with me in Mark chapter 3 and verse 7. The title of my message is Engaging in Spiritual Battle. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea. 
And a large crowd followed from Galilee, uh, and a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they had heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so that the crowd wouldn't crush him. Since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he would strongly warn them not to make him known. Then Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gave the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee and his brother John he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered together again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, He's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebub. And he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he summoned them and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and for whatever blasphemies they may utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, because they were saying he had an unclean spirit. His mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, (coughs) Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Engaging in spiritual battle. How do we do it? Well, first thing I want you to see is that Jesus has given us something to use. His delegated authority. His delegated authority. Jesus stood against these demons. Whenever unclean spirits would would see him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And Jesus would rebuke them and tell them to be quiet. Uh, He would cast them out. And then when he calls his apostles, verse 14 says he sent them to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So Jesus has given us a delegated authority. And uh, we see that this delegated authority also applies to the 70, which is important for us. Because I believe the Bible teaches that Christ lives in us. 
And as we follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives, in the battles that we face, the spiritual battles that we face, as He leads us to act, we do so in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes against an unclean spirit, the unclean spirit will lose every time. And when Jesus' authority is exercised, the demons must bow. And so, he's given us this delegated authority. This is very similar to the authority a policeman has. A policeman stands in front of an 18-wheeler, and he puts his hand out like this. What does the 18-wheeler have to do? He stops. Not because he has to stop, physically speaking, because he could run over the policeman. No problem. He stops because of the policeman's authority. Uh, so somebody once said, the only thing you have to do is live, die, and pay taxes. Uh, the government has authority to come get your taxes, don't they? And so uh, we all know what it is to have authority in our lives, but spiritual authority has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And so we see Paul, we see Peter uh, saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, Leave him. Uh, and I think we can do that in our own personal walk with God. If uh, the enemy comes against us, we can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this place. Now, there was one time that the disciples did that, and nothing happened. They, they went to cast this demon out of this man. And Jesus comes down from the mountain, and he says, why couldn't you cast it out? You of little faith. And he says, this kind, when there's later questioned about it, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. And so, or by prayer in one of the Gospels it says. So, uh, what is all that about? Well, the scripture tells us that we overcome the enemy by faith. The shield of faith that we take up quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And this shield of faith is strengthened through prayer, and it's strengthened through fasting. Jesus said you couldn't cast it out because of your little faith. So our faith is what helps us cast out certain demons. You need to have a measure of faith uh, to, to cast out those demons. And, and so as you use that authority in Jesus' name, I found in some cases, I addressed something a couple of times. I don't, you know, you, a lot of times you don't know what's going on because you can't see. Right? Something's happening in the spiritual realm, but uh, maybe it's a temptation, and I'll say in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this place. And I'm also doing the things that I would do to overcome the flesh. Uh, but sometimes I have to then do it again. So I don't know if the devil's sending them in one at a time or something, but, it, but I, I've had to do that a number of times. But um, the authority that we have in Jesus' name is a delegated authority. So there may be certain times where God allows a sickness, such as in Paul's case, in your life that comes through a demonic agency. Uh, Paul says he has his thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Uh, and I asked God three times to take it away, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Why didn't Paul cast it out? Because it wasn't God's will for him to do so. He wasn't under the leadership of the Spirit to do so. I'm convinced that's the key, to be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit because God has a certain plan for our lives. And Paul's asking God about this, and God says, look, 
The reason I'm allowing this is I'm using the devil's strategy against himself. Because as this thorn in the flesh is in your life, my power can rest on you because you have faith in me and you're not proud. And and you're walking by faith and not by sight. So his plan is backfiring. I'm using his purpose for your good and the good of the gospel and the good of the kingdom of God. So Satan can do nothing to us but by permission. We find that out in the book of Job. Uh, Job, uh, Satan has to go ask God for permission to give Job a hard time. And we find out that God has his own purposes for Job's going through this trial. He permits Satan to do some things. And Job at the end of the book says, Lord, I had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And I repent in dust and ashes. So Job is brought closer to the Lord and has a greater relationship with the Lord because of what the the Lord allowed in his life. And so uh, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, now if you do this, and if you do this and you're not under the Holy Holy Spirit's leadership, many times I just respond and I just say it. Uh, But if nothing happens then you can go to one of these other tools. Because it may be that God's purpose will be served in a different way. Think about Jesus' temptation. Satan comes to tempt Jesus, tempts him three times, right? Why didn't Jesus just say, in my my own authority, be gone, Satan? He could have done that. Why didn't he do it? Because he's under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And God led him to quote scripture to the enemy. And he brought to mind the scriptures that he needed to quote to do battle against the enemy. And I think sometimes God may want us to use scripture because it builds us up. And aren't you glad that we have the scriptures that Jesus shared? Because it builds us up. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's a good encouragement. And so God may may have different reasons for leading us to battle in different ways. And so that's why being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit are important in the battles that you face. So the first tool that God has given us to use under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is Jesus' delegated authority. The second thing I want you to see is Jesus' powerful word. I love this. In verse 14, he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach. Now, he talks about the casting out of demons and so forth as well, but he sends them out to preach. Can I tell you something? We as Christians do not have to just play defense against the devil. We can play offense. The Bible says that God has given us a sword, a spiritual sword, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the Word of God is living and active and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it pierces hearts. And it brings conversion from sin. And it, it brings encouragement and strength to God's people. There is a weapon called the Word of God that you can use every day of your life. Aren't we blessed in America? Most of you probably have two or three translations that sit at your house. That you have such a blessing. You can go to God's word every day and and be in God's word to battle the thinking of this world and the, the lies of the enemy that he tries to tell you in your life. You can quote scripture uh, to help your family and to help others you're ministering to as a way of battling against the enemy. 
Because the Bible says he is the great deceiver. He's the father of lies. How do you battle the father of lies? With the truth. And so this powerful weapon called the word of God, use it in your witnessing. Listen, I I think I could probably uh, speak enough words to fill a book and not have it do nearly as much uh, good to somebody's soul as quoting one verse of scripture. There is power in the word of God. Paul saw it again and again. He saw it. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, The Bible says, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That renewing of your mind takes place in the word of God. Uh, When you have Satan come against you to accuse you, you can quote him scripture. I remember when I was a teenager, I had the enemy coming against me, accusing me, accusing me, accusing me, and uh, trying to make me believe that I wasn't fit to come into the presence of God, and, and trying to make me believe that I was unworthy, and trying to discourage me in my prayer and in my service for God. Uh, but I was reading in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, and I found some great medicine for the accusations of the devil. The Bible says in Romans 5 that I'm justified. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And access into this grace in which we now stand. There will never be a time that I don't stand in the grace that my Savior purchased at Calvary. Every time the enemy comes with me to accuse I can quote him that verse. There's a couple others in that chapter I've mentioned as well. Uh, But when the enemy comes to deceive me, why are you even trying, Roger? Why, Why do you think you can do anything? I love to quote this verse to him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things are possible with God. And uh, I like to just quote that out loud. And, you know, sometimes it takes me two or three times to just to begin to believe it in my own heart. And as I do that, it's amazing how the deception of the enemy loses its power. And so, if he comes to intimidate you, you can quote him the verse, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, I want to tell you something. Satan has to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has defeated him at Calvary. Jesus Christ defeated the death that he brought at at Calvary and then at the tomb where he rose from the dead. And Jesus has been ascended uh, to the right hand of the Father where he rules in power and glory over all of heaven and all of creation. Jesus Christ is Lord and Satan must bow the knee to him. When we quote scripture... Uh, It's amazing the power that that has to come against the enemy. That means a couple of things. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be having a personal quiet time with God where you're in God's Word. And sometimes you need to read the clean white pages. Sometimes you need to go to places where you wouldn't normally go if you're just choosing your favorite scripture passages. Why? Because those, those scriptures contain truth That God can use. Isn't it amazing? Jesus, when he had his temptation from the enemy three times, you know where he quoted from? A place that most Christians don't read very often. Deuteronomy 
Three times he quoted scripture from Deuteronomy. Why did he have that in his heart and his mind? Because he'd been in the Word. And so as you're in the Word of God, what God does is he gives you uh, the tools that you need, the spiritual weapons that you need to fight your spiritual battle against the enemy. Um, Memorization. I know that's a bad word uh, for a lot of people, but memorization is so important. Because what did David say? I will hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. You see, as you hide God's word in your heart, as you memorize the word of God, intentionally you'll have a tool that the Holy Spirit can bring to mind when you're tempted by Satan. And so the first weapon God gives us is Jesus' delegated authority. The second weapon is Jesus' powerful word. The third weapon is Jesus' supportive family. Now, he had two families in this passage. The first one wasn't that supportive. If you look at verse 21, when his family heard this, he's, he's ministering, he's not even able to eat, they set out to restrain him. They said he's out of his mind. He's crazy. Sometimes people may think you're a little nuts if you serve Jesus. Sometimes uh, normal Christianity is considered abnormal by the world. That's okay. Uh, but what does Jesus say? When they come to get him, Jesus said, look around. Those who hear the word of God and keep it, they're my family. They're the one who provides support for me. Listen, I want you to know you need the body of Christ to support you in your walk with God and in your battle with the enemy. It's amazing how God will use other people to encourage you when Satan is ringing your bell. Sometimes you will find that another Christian will recognize what Satan's doing before you do. I've had that happen before. Sometimes it's been my wife or my kids I said, Dad, the devil's just after you. And, you know, and I just, and, and it occurs, oh, yeah, they're right. That's, this is the devil. Somehow I didn't see it, but they pointed out to me. You see, that's the benefit of having other Christians in your life. Sometimes you may believe a lie that the enemy has told you. Especially if you're a new Christian, you don't know much about the Word of God. The enemy has deceived you in, certain, in a certain area, and another Christian will say, well, listen, this is what the Word of God says. And they speak into your life. And guess what? The deception of the enemy is broken in your life, and he sets you free. So uh, that's another reason you need to be in church. You need to hear the Word of God preached. You be in Sunday school. Discuss God's Word with other Christians. Why? Because as you do so, and as you discuss God's Word... There are things that others will say under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that will address things in your life and vice versa. So that you can be strengthened in your walk with the, with the, with the Lord and against the enemy. Um, there have been times in my life where there's been a discouragement that I believe came from the enemy. And I'll hear a message or I'll have a discussion with a Christian who will, who will be talking about the things of God and their faith in God. And, and, and I'll just be touched in my spirit and I'll say, yes, hallelujah, amen. I'm encouraged. What's happened? The enemy's strategy has just, has just failed. And so don't let anything keep you from the house of God. Be in God's house regularly because as you are, it gives God the opportunity to speak into your life through other people. Uh, I ask God, by the way, I think you ought to ask God to do this in your Sunday school class. 
You've got to ask God to do this. If you're in, in a discipleship training class, like we're getting ready to start next week, uh, Lord, change me. You've got to ask God, Lord, would you speak through us to each other so that we can build each other up? Because listen, I want to tell you something. We're in a battle. We have an enemy that goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he will do whatever he can to try to destroy us. But we have a family of believers in this church that can help lift you up and strengthen you when you're struggling. You say, well, I'm not struggling. You're, you're, you're here today, so I'm preaching to the choir. But um, sometimes people want to say, well, I'm not struggling. I don't need to go to church today. What about somebody else? Maybe somebody else is struggling and they need to hear from you. And so we need to recognize just how important. Uh, the author of Hebrews says, says this, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. There are some who may be on the brink of turning from Christ. They may be on the brink of they, they, God's been convicting them to be saved and then be on the brink of, of blaspheming the Holy Spirit like we've talked about here. And, uh, and, and leaving the church never to come back. They need your encouragement. They need your prayer. There may be a Christian who's on the brink of discipline from God because they're going down a wrong path and they need the encouragement that you could bring as you come to God's house. He says, look, too much is at stake for us to stay home. We're in this battle together. We need to assemble as God's people. So this is a tool that God has given us. Now, Sometimes in your life, there may be a sin habit or an issue of failure in your life that you're struggling with, and you just need to go to a couple of Christians that you uh, know are godly people who don't gossip. Don't go to the, the gossip, okay? But, but share with them. Say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I, I, the devil's eating my lunch here in this area. I need you to pray for me uh, or give me counsel. That'd be great too, but especially pray for me. Because James says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This family, isn't it true in our families, in our human families, uh, when one of us is going down a wrong path, what do the other members of the family try to do? They pray for that member, right? They try to encourage them. They maybe provide rebuke, but they are working to try to help that individual and their family get back on the right track because they love them. Same thing is true in the church. We're called to be a support to each other. And so um, there may be those times where you need to approach individuals in the body of Christ to pray for you. But take advantage of this powerful weapon that God has given us in our battle with the enemy called the church. It's so powerful. Listen, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to know there's power in the church of God. I know it's fallen out of fashion in some places, but I want to tell you something. The church of the living God is still the hope for this city. It's still the hope for America and the hope of this world. The church of God and the people of God inhabited by the Spirit of God living under the leadership of God is a powerful force that hell can't stop. Use the spiritual weapon called the church that God has given to you. And then finally, not only has God given us Jesus' de delegated authority, his powerful word and his supportive family, but Jesus' warfare strategy. 
his warfare strategy. Look at verse 27. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Now I want you to notice what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not huddled in a corner somewhere afraid of the devil. Jesus is out taking his territory. Jesus is out setting people free. Jesus is out breaking the bondage that individuals have had over their life for years. He's not cowering in fear. He's binding the strong man. And he's plundering his house. I believe that is the heritage of every child of God. To plunder the devil's house. God's plan for you and God's desire for you is not to just live in a defensive posture against the enemy. His goal for you is to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit and to use the weapons of your warfare to reach people for Jesus Christ. Well, how do you bind the strong man in somebody's life? One great way to do it is through prayer. Listen, the enemy may be wreaking havoc in your child's life or maybe wreaking havoc in, in a friend's family that you know. One of the most powerful things you can do is pray for those people. Uh, if you read Ephesians 6, a lot of times people talk about the different parts of the armor that God has given us, but they forget to mention praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That finishes it up. And it actually, I think, is intended to go with everything else. Through prayer led by the Holy Spirit, we can do some amazing things to prepare for God's work in somebody's life. Uh, you can pray that God will give that person a heart of genuine repentance. You can pray that God would bind the enemy from that person's life and from that person's family. Um, by the way, uh, one thing my parents taught me when I was growing up, they would pray for a hedge of protection from the enemy around each member of, of their family every day. That's a great thing to do. Do that for your family. Pray for God's protection in their life and for God's work to be accomplished in their life. Uh, what about a lost person? You can pray for a lost person. That, that God, the Bible says, the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest they should believe and embrace the gospel. There's a spiritual blindness. You can pray for God to remove the blindness and to take the, the, the bondage away so that a person can hear clearly the message that God is speaking to their hearts. You can pray for the conviction of God's Spirit. Uh, you can pray for an anointing and a leading that God will give you. Then He will speak through you to that friend or that loved one uh, under the leadership of the Spirit so that God can use you as somebody to speak into that person's life to help win that spiritual battle. Uh, you can pray that God will send other people into their lives. Oh, there's all kinds of things you can do. But praying for God to, to bind the strong man is an important thing. Uh, as you go uh, out in the community to witness to somebody, you can pray for God to bind the strong man. Uh, some, sometimes we've gone out to some pretty interesting places and talked to some pretty interesting individuals. And... Uh, weren't really sure uh, what was next with some of them, but, uh, but it is a wonderful thing to know that we can pray to God and God can prepare the way and pave the way for his spiritual work to be done in somebody's life. 
Jesus would get aside for prayer. He would draw aside. Sometimes he, he would spend a whole night in prayer praying for different things, different people. And then he would go out and when he ministered, he ministered with great power and great freedom and was taking the devil's territory. Now, uh, the story is told uh, about these two men who were uh, lumberjacks and, and they were having a competition who can cut down the most trees in a day. And there's a young, strong man and then an older man who had been working for a while. Um, but uh, they got in the competition and they're cutting down trees. Well, the old man cut down more trees than the young man. And the young man couldn't believe it. He was shaking his head. He said, I've seen you take several breaks. And, I, I've, seen, and I've been going all day long. How in the world did you cut down more trees than me? He said, every time I took a break, I sharpened my axe. And so uh, he was able to get more done. Prayer is the sharpening of God's axe. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You pray for individuals and you pray for the binding of the strong men in their life. God will sharpen your spiritual axe and God will go to work in that person's life and do his work and prepare the way for their salvation or for their repentance, whatever it may be. Uh, great, great tools that God has given us that Jesus has demonstrated for us. Jesus delegated authority, Jesus powerful word, Jesus support of family, and Jesus warfare strategy. As you engage in spiritual battle and you use these things in your struggle with the enemy, uh, God will use you and make you a powerful warrior for him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the wisdom of your word and for the authority and the power of your word and all of these things that you've given to us, Lord. Help us to be faithful to use these weapons of warfare that you've given us for the spiritual battle that each and every one of us face. Thank you for the example of our Savior. And God, I pray that as we enter this time of invitation, Lord, that we would respond to you in the specific ways you desire. Um, perhaps there's someone who needs to come for prayer today, God, and because they're struggling with something in their life and they need uh, the encouragement uh, and help of another believer's prayer. Or perhaps, Lord, there's some who just need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I need to confess my sin and repent of it so that I can use... Uh, your, your spiritual weapons effectively uh, under the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Um, maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus. But Father, I pray that everything that you desire to do in this place here today would be done to the glory of God.